social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, <clears throat> depietro.com. It is Tuesday. It is January 11th. It's also freezing outside. My goodness, talk about a day if you don't have to leave the house. Not going to be, even though it's going to be sunny all day, right now, real-time temperature feels like zero outside, even though the temperature may be 14, 12 degrees, somewhere in there. So it's going to be like that all day, and then uh, maybe a little bit of relief tomorrow. Hopefully that will come through. Folks, I want to, um, there's an update with this situation in North Kingstown with the naked fat tests, and very good piece uh channel 12 has a story on it but there's very good piece in the boston school of north kingstown school district lost control of someone they thought of as a star coach this aaron thomas and now as we had mentioned yesterday there's a federal complaint uh a new complaint by five former student athletes reveal additional accusations thomas posed one student in quote sex positions during naked tests this is the basketball coach of the north kingstown high school team a boys team and the school allowed the coach to groom students in the widespread acceptance of naked inspection and touching of children five former high school students who say they were subjected to naked fat test by basketball coach aaron thomas filed a complaint monday u.s attorney's office saying school officials ignored his conduct for years the complaint lawyer timothy conlon alleges north kingstown school officials ignored the misconduct failed to report him to dcyf stalled in reporting him to the state department of education and allowed him to use his position inappropriately now here are some major red flags here he was using his private email and cell phone to contact teenage boys personally to set up one-on-one -on -one fat tests taking conversations about body fat tests out of the school realm the complaint says folks when you think about it, if you ever have a child or a grandchild where the teacher is contacting them using a personal email account as opposed to why wouldn't they use their school account they're given a school account what is this between that and then the cell phone i mean this you, the north kingstown they are going to pay and they're going to pay big time when he cleaned out his office in 2021 he also took documents with him a lawyer told the globe um a removable hard drive is missing so school officials now that's also significant because many of the boys felt that he was filming them while he was doing this school officials have now acknowledged they'd been told about his interaction male student athletes going back to 2017 even as early as 2016 however school officials never told parents anything the complaint also alleges Thomas is supposed to move out of state after he was terminated. That's different. Not only are they going to terminate him, they wanted to move out of state. He didn't do that. Took a new job a few miles away as a social studies teacher at Monsignor Clark School, whose principal said Thomas came with a positive professional reference from North Kingstown. I've never heard of that. We'll check in with our legal analyst, attorney Tim Dodd, later in the week. But not only that, you have to move out of the state. I've never heard of anything like that before. Not only are you terminated but you also have to leave town <laughs> um, it's like something out of the wild wild west colin credited the former student athletes came forward as adults contacted them without this none of them would have come forward everyone's upset about it um my client's very grateful the attention u.s attorneys folks the fbi is looking into this and as you know 
it's very disgraceful that there's only there's one member of the media that has mocked this said he's a friend of thomas and uh, continues to laugh it off and say it was no big deal well uh, when you get the fbi fbi and the u.s attorney's office involved i would argue that it is a big deal plaint was accompanied by a letter to the uh, assistant u.s attorney kevin hubbard one of the lawyers lawyers conducting the civil investigation he's also conlin's going to send a letter he's the lawyer to the state department of education jim martin spokesperson for the u.s attorney's office confirmed they sent a letter to the north kingstown superintendent have been in contact with the school district that Phyllis, phil Auger, this guy's in a lot of trouble our office can confirm receiving a complaint we're conducting a civil investigation pursuant to federal civil rights laws channel 12 reported that federal authorities had an open investigation under the uh, civil rights act u.s department of justice has requested documents i mean this situation in nk is getting worse town council discussed the pending investigation at its meeting monday night the town solicitor said the attorney general may impanel a grand jury in its criminal investigation the flurry of investigations over the last few months focused on something former students had said had been an uncomfortable open secret north kingstown high school for 25 years the fat tests that the school's star basketball coach conducted on male student athletes now he's a star coach but i think they did win the state title uh, under him there are several types of body compositions including one measuring body fat none requiring nudity however he came up with his own way of conducting these tests skin full caliper a private room in the same question are you shy or not shy student athletes who answered not shy were expected to take off their underwear and allow thomas to pinch and measure their inner thighs and groins with skin fold calipers it wasn't just basketball players other young men who didn't play sports said thomas invited them to participate as teenagers complaint reveals new allegations including one former student said he was most made to pose in sex positions during these naked tests in 2019 and 2020 folks this was just i mean 2020 colin alleges the school district lost control of thomas used personal email and cell phone to arrange private body fat tests continue conducting tests even after he was ordered to stop in 2018 well he couldn't stop he was a predator certainly seems that way he obtained students personal as opposed student email addresses private offline chain emails formed group texts dozens of students students he targeted said um, felt they had no choice but to comply with his request <clears throat> i think that's actually a typo the students he targeted said it should say they felt they had no choice but to comply it says felt they several cite their lack of ability to just say no or show a lack of confidence in themselves or trust for coach thomas given his authority standing as their coach and teacher common theme running through instances where people have identified the coach acting as a predator among students and team players for 20 years the department allowed thomas to remain in his coaching teaching position while he used these positions to groom students into the widespread acceptance of his practices portraying the fat tests and various other practices involved naked inspection touching of children as necessary and useful to the athletic evaluation performance of the young students along with the missing computer hard drive students also wonder whether there are videos of their interaction with thomas i heard there are thomas was the communication teacher fat tests where he had a cctv monitor so he could see who was approaching the room 
the former students have understandable concerns about what may have been recorded during the examinations. While an investigative report commissioned by the school committee, uh, Coach has been aware of his fat test since at least 2017. State Department of Ed wasn't inform informed until three years after the first complaint. Conlon said that raises concern about North Kingstown school officials following state reporting requirements. I mean, folks, this is just so bizarre. It's inappropriate. Thomas is under criminal investigation by the Attorney General's Office of North Kingstown Police, who established a hotline for people to call with information about Thomas. You know, this also, and as many of you know, I have been a supporter of law enforcement. This looks really bad for the North Kingstown Police Department. NK Police, it certainly looks as though they just swept this under the rug. That's the way it looks. It looks as if that this was brought to their attention and they just gave it like a quick look, but then they let it go. That's the way they really didn't dig deep into it. Uh, they were insisting that there was really nothing um, criminal about it. It's just, um, it, it it's bizarre. But at North Kingstown, they are going to pay they are going to pay big time. This this goes beyond this. Let's be very clear about this. This shouldn't have been a judgment call. This shouldn't have been the superintendent decides he'll just kind of look into it. And then they were telling him you can't do it anymore. No, it goes beyond that. Uh, this went on for a long time. And, and I think something that's very important for people to remember is there, there's no no one has come forward. And I want to repeat this. No one has come forward to say that the best way to do these tests are to do them, have the, uh, the person that you're doing the test on. Not one person has come forward and said the best way, most accurate way to do these tests are for the individual to be naked. Not one. Not one. Nope. It seemed that, I don't know, he's, and he hasn't provided where he came up with the whole thing, that they had to be naked. Situation in North Kingstown, folks, we are skimming the surface on it. We have a lot ahead on this Tuesday. It's cold. Stay warm. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and southeastern Mass, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Fuel, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial. It's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider, 401 521-0200-401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original, go with the best. It's Henry Oil. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, joining us right now from the Republican National Committee, it's one of the spokespersons, it's Paris Denard. And uh, Paris, it would be an understatement to say that the Biden administration Boy, testing has really proven to be a disaster. 
Well, thank you for having me. And listen, as my in my role as the RNC national spokesperson, I have been talking to so many people in, in, in radio shows like this about the failures of the Biden administration from the very beginning and the crises that they created from the very beginning. But I never thought that I would be talking about in 2022 the fact that they failed on something as simple as the testing apparatus for the whole country. This administration came into power saying that they were going to totally get rid of COVID, tackle COVID, fix, find it, solve it, all eradicate it. None of that has happened. And actually, it's gotten worse. And when you go to the, the point where they've created this mass, created such a mass hysteria and a rush on people getting needing testing, and they don't have the means to get t- access to testing, it is a failure of the government. And then they tried to pass the buck and say this is a, a, a something for the state states to handle. This is a state problem. Once again, not having the wherewithal to say, I am the president, I am the vice president, I accept responsibility, this administration will take on this issue and solve it. Instead, they pass the buck once again. And who suffers because of this? It's the American people. It's those people who have to go to work and, but need a test to go to work because of these unconstitutional discriminatory mandates and they can't get to work so they can't get payment they can't provide for their families this is the reality that people are living in because of the failures and the ineptitude of this administration folks again we're speaking with paris denard republican national committee uh, spokesperson in paris last month president biden said in fact that he'd be mailing free tests to every american that certainly doesn't seem like that's happening no, uh, and, and I think every American should go back and look at the things that he promised that he would do or could do and ask yourselves, how many of those promises did he deliver on just on COVID alone, just on testing alone? It has been failed promise after failed promise after failed promise. And again, who suffers because of it? The people. And it would, it, to me, one would think that they would care enough about the people to get their act together especially when they know flu season is upon us. They know that they knew that variants were going to happen, but they act as if all of this is new information. And if you recall, when they first came in saying, Trump didn't have a plan, Trump didn't have a plan. Well, he actually had a plan. They just chose not to implement the plan. But now we can clearly see that the Biden-Harris administration does not have a plan. Paris, what about the fact that uh, President Biden then has said that there's no federal solution for this? That's that's a, that's not what they were saying for a very long time. Well, the, when Biden says there's no federal solution, that is his way of passing the responsibility onto the states, onto the governors, because in the absence of a federal solution or a federal plan or a federal a federal agenda, you have to give the responsibility over to somebody else. This is the opposite of what you saw with President Trump. President Trump took full responsibility of the handling, of the execution, of getting out Operation Warp Speed in an effective and timely manner, well well above the time frame that they said that they wanted to do, which was at the end of the year. They actually beat that time frame. He took responsibility and said, we are going to have a whole-of-government approach to solve this problem and get to the bottom of it best we can. That is not what you see with this administration. The Biden-Harris administration is doing the direct opposite. They're saying there's no federal solution. Well, it's a federal created problem when you look at the, the backlogs and the crises that they created. 
and 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 not standing up to China, and not standing up to hold them responsible, and now passing responsibility on to the states. It's just it's it's shameful, really. But luckily, we have Republican governors who continue to lead the way on the recovery, uh, on, on those efforts. And so I think people in these different states will look to Republican governors and say, in spite of what's coming down from the federal government in terms of no no policies, bad policies, confusing messaging, and obviously, uh, you know, mandates, these Republican governors continue to lead and lead well. Paris, before I let you go, did you ever think in 2022 you'd see all these Americans outside in the cold, standing in line, trying to get a test? I, 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 it is beyond me. I never thought in 2022 we not only would see people standing in line to get a test, we would see empty store shelves. We have a supply chain crisis, that gas prices be where they are, and, and, and this inflation still sky high. They said it was temporary, and it's not. This is the beginning of 2022, and it's looking like it could be a repeat of 2021 in terms of the failures of this administration. We're not off to a good start under Biden-Harris. Paris Denard, Republican National Committee spokesperson. Propane Plus. For heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, Good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com, Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 508-252-3359, and in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. Listening to the John DePietro Show, folks, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Joining us right now is uh dr rob harrison and we've been having a series of conversations with dr rob and dr rob listen january can be a tough month let alone what's going on with the pandemic with the fact that covid is so strong um people can get a little bit of the winter blues and this is a time that you've also put forward that there are certain ways that people can look for some warning signs that someone could be really struggling yeah, it, it's really important to, to reach out to people that you uh, notice maybe acting a little bit differently, maybe who uh, tend to be isolating themselves, not involved in anything. Um, those are, um, could be, not all, necessarily all, but could be signs that somebody's really struggling uh, with uh, anxiety or depression or, uh, or just uh, the circumstances of all around them. Um, and anyone can try to help with those those people by just saying, hey, what's going on? Let's talk. Um, but also being aware uh, that someone may be thinking of suicide. And I'll let you take it from there, John. Well, and folks, you know, you people hear a lot about the pandemic, but there's, there happens to be an epidemic of men and men over the age of 50 that for whatever reason are unhappy with their life and or feel they're in a place they can't get out of, and they, they take their own life. And the reason we have on Dr. Rob is if you're listening right now, and whether it's a man or it may be your husband or your son 
or a, a grandfather or an uncle or a coworker, there is a program that certainly can help people identify when specifically men are dealing with some desperate thoughts. Yes, that's a program called Man Therapy. It's a the nice thing about it, it it's anonymous. Uh, a lot of men, because of the stigma, don't want to go to a therapist. They don't want to go even to their doctor sometimes. But they can go to this website. It's called mantherapy.org. Uh, that is, uh, first place, it's very humorous and really attracts a lot of uh, men. But it also has a ton of resources. It helps people to figure out what's really going on in their life. Uh, there's a 20-point head inspection that would be very helpful for men to decide if they're just feeling stressed or if they really might be suffering from depression or, or serious anxiety. So mantherapy.org is a great resource. Uh, anybody can go to it. It's uh, just, and nobody knows that you're doing it. And there's some tremendous uh, shared testimonies of people on that website who've uh, gotten help and found that, uh, that that makes a huge difference in their life. Folks, and I, I want you to understand, I was speaking with Dr. Rob Harrison, that afterwards, when someone, uh, a man, takes his own life afterwards there's there's so much second guessing that's unfairly that goes on with the family with friends we didn't know we wish we had known this is a way to be proactive and also dr rob you know let's let's recognize this is not the happiest subject it's not the easiest subject but someone listening right now by doing that and then also finding out more about signs to look for People like to think that if, if someone were drowning, that they would be able to swim and pull them to shore. This is a way to do that and help the person identify and then hopefully get them on the path to getting them the help that they need. That's right, John. And um, there's, there are free trainings that anyone can take. Uh, I offer a 90-minute uh, training called uh, QPR, which stands for Question, Persuade, and Refer. Uh, suicide prevention training that is for, open to any adult over the age of 17 uh, that will teach you the warning signs to look for and help you to learn how to ask the question directly and then persuade them to let you help them get some help just as a friend or a neighbor or a co-worker not as a professional but to me we really need to have a wide safety net of our neighbors and friends and, and relatives and co-workers to uh, recognize that someone may be struggling and be able to help them and folks, this is something we've been, you heard us uh, talking about during the course of the fall, and we're going to continue it because, Dr. Rob, you know, people shouldn't feel, number one, they're not alone. Number two, let's face it, these are very challenging times that we're dealing with. People need, if, if you break your ankle, you go to the doctor, get it fixed. If your car's not running right, you bring it to a mechanic. People should not, they have to uh, get rid of the stigma that is attached to some form of depression or mental illness or just people that for some reason there's re things that are happening that they're having these suicidal thoughts but there are things they can do and mantherapy.org is is the a good way to start it is a great way to start it does have local resources listed on their website also so you can get help locally you can also go to healthybodyshealthyminds.org which has a lot of the uh, training uh schedules on it so you can get help there too and as dr rob knows i had a friend that was uh, just found himself in a desperate place the last in uh, june of 2021 he felt he had no options and he took his own life and this this holiday season was with thanksgiving and christmas his family had to go through it without him and everyone says the same thing they wish they had known they missed him 
They wish they had seen some of the warning signs. Folks, this is your opportunity. Dr. Rob, I want to thank you. We've, um, we started this back in the fall. We're going to continue to do it. Thank you for your vision, dedication to this. Happy New Year to you, and we're going to do it, keep talking again. Thanks, John. I appreciate the opportunity and the best to you and to everyone listening. Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's my health because it's your health. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401-305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. And inside, pop in. You'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like acai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce plus boxed herbs and teas plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health, because it's your health. Stop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. There's an interesting story that's taking place in Worcester. And joining us right now, we've spoke to him in the past. He is terrific. The National Right to Work Foundation's Mark Mix in Mark, uh, as we're speaking, first of all, Happy New Year. And right now as we're speaking, there are people certainly in the Worcester area that are going to listen to our conversation. So if you would be so kind as to break it down for us. Yeah, John, Happy New Year to you. And uh, the news keeps coming in despite the changing of the calendar. But, uh, you know, the foundation, uh, the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation provides free legal aid to employees whose rights have been violated by forced unionism arrangements. And interestingly enough, we, our staff attorneys, are representing employees up in Worcester at the St. Vincent Hospital System that have basically just come back from what was a 300-day-plus strike that was called by the Massachusetts Nurses Association. And it looks like, based on what we understand right now, the National Labor Relations Board has validated a petition filed by workers at St. Vincent's to try to decertify the union that represents them. And it's an interesting scenario because this way back in early this year, as the strike began, we let workers know what their rights were vis-a-vis, you know, crossing a picket line or supporting the strike or whatever it is they chose to do individually. And that manifests itself now in workers signing petitions, a petition that went to the National Labor Relations Board that will allow them to vote on whether or not this union, this nurses union, can continue to represent them in the workplace. And so this is a, a, a an ongoing story that continues, but the impact of that 300-day-plus strike up in Worcester has been bad, very difficult. It's divided the workplace. It's divided the community. Um, and frankly, at the end of the day, even though a new contract was uh, ratified two days ago, uh, there are workers that are still very unhappy about being out on the picket line or being forced out on the picket line by union officials for all that time this past year. Folks, again, we're speaking with Mark Mix, National Right to Work Foundation in and, uh, and Mark, this has been going on. It also shows that, you know, look, you would think that in a pandemic and what's going on with COVID, that a lot of this stuff would be put aside, but that's just not the, the, the way they operate. 
Yeah, and, you know, obviously those were some of the issues that were involved in the strike, but it was basically about the, the Massachusetts Nurses Association being able to maintain their monopoly power over all the workers. And what we found, John, in the healthcare industry is that there are a lot of nurses, and we've represented nurses all across the country in various situations like this, when a union has said, look, you got to go out on strike. And there are nurses that believe very, 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 very emotionally in the care of their patients, and they want to cross the picket line. But it's interesting because there, there are so many traps set for workers that want to continue serving their patients, notwithstanding a labor dispute and a, and a, and a walkout. And what happens is, is they, they cross the picket line, and the next thing you know, they get a, a letter in the mail from the union saying, hey, by the way, you've been fined you know, $1,000, $10,000. We've had fines up to $40,000 for employees who have actually said, no, I want to go to work. I'm more interested in going, being on the, on the floor helping my patients than I am walking a picket line for issues that are basically about giving the union officials more power over the workplace. Folks, again, uh, we're speaking with Mark Mix, and this is National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, and these are the nurse at St. Vincent Hospital right there in Worcester, and, and again, hello and uh, everyone in Worcester that, that is listening to us. Uh, it's certainly aware of this, that this has been going on. Now, Mark, as much as we're talking about this, I would be remiss if I didn't get your reaction to what's playing out in Chicago right now as these teachers unions are absolutely refusing to go back into the classroom, even though the mayor's pleading with them and everyone has shown that children are safest in school. Yeah, John, this is this is another ongoing disaster that's occurring. But the, the silver lining in all this, and I don't mean to downplay the impact on the children, the impact on you know those folks and those parents out there that that are paying you know tax dollars to, to support a school system that's not educating their children. But the bottom line here is that people across the nation, and Chicago may be the, quote, boiling point today about this. Loudoun County, Virginia was the boiling port, you know, point back in November and October of last year when, you know, they exposed the power of the teachers' unions over the school system, the government school system in America. And, and Chicago, this latest example is just another example of the of the devastating power the union officials a radical group of union officials not the teachers in the classroom for the most part but the radical union officials that have taken control of these monopoly institutions that basically insert themselves between parents and school boards parents and city councils parents and county commissions parents and elected officials and basically say you do it our way otherwise we're going to withhold this governmental service and you know i think john the one thing that's going to happen here is the teacher union bosses here in washington dc and randy wine garden up in new york city have way overplayed their hand and parents are beginning to pay attention and i think there's going to be a dramatic change in how uh you know city councils and county commissions and school boards deal with union officials going forward and chicago is just the latest flare-up in that folks again it's national right to work foundation it's mark mix mark uh if you wouldn't mind I, i'm sure we're going to be talking to you quite a bit in 2022 if you'd give just some information people can learn more about the uh the organization yeah, uh, the National Right to Work Foundation has been around since 1968. We have 21 staff attorneys that do nothing but represent employees uh, for free. We provide free legal services when they have come up against the, com- the compelled power of organized labor, whether it be in the private sector or in the public sector. We have litigated 18 times at the U.S. Supreme Court, and employees can get questions answered by an attorney 
um, about their workplace rights, and they can find us on the Internet at www.nrtw.org, nrtw.org. They can call 1-800-336-3600 and talk with an attorney about their situation in the workplace, or they can find us on the Internet as well and, and Facebook and all those other platforms out there. Folks, again, he is Mark Mick. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Joining us right now, he has a new book out in Trump time. It is Peter Navarro. Peter, first of all, congratulations on the book. Uh, Take us through the process that you decided to write this book in the first place. I think it goes back to the very beginning. Uh, I, I was only one of three senior White House officials who was with the president all the way from the campaign in 2016, where I served as his uh, chief economic advisor, all the way to the end of what we like to say, uh, the end of his first term. And what was interesting is early in 2017, when I came into the White House, I was shocked. I don't get shocked easily, but I was shocked by how many people inside the perimeter, inside the White House, inside the administration, were actually actively disloyal to the president and his agenda, who disobeyed the chain of command. I thought at that point, you know what, I'm going to be part of history in some small or large way, Um, so I better keep a daily journal. And that's what I did. Every night when I came home, no matter how tired I was, I wrote kind of what what happened that day. And the In Trump Time book, uh, the In Trump Time means as quickly as possible expression I coined. The In Trump Time book describes the last year uh, of the administration during, during the plague year. And um, I think the beauty of the book is it finally provides an insider's account. It offers the truth of what actually happened and the, the gulf between what people have read about in the, in the fake news and the corporate media versus the actual reality about the president himself, about the evil Tony Fauci, about the betrayal of the president by the vice president, Mike Pence about what communist China actually did to us in terms of attacking America with a virus and about what happened on both November 3rd and November 6th. Uh, that's what the interim time book really is about. It's a book, I think, of both revelations, but also indictments. And um, today uh, I'm honored to be on your show because today is the day the book actually officially uh, publishes. Folks, again, we're speaking with Peter Navarro, his new book in Trump Time, Journal of Americans Plague Year. Peter, you write about your uh, first encounter with with Dr. Fauci. What can you tell us about that? Chapter two of In Trump Time, let's take you right into the iconic situation room. It's January 28th, 2020. We're at the, the dawn of the pandemic. There's really only three people in the White House who are taking this pandemic seriously at this point. It's the president, myself, and the National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien. And the president has dispatched me on a very, very important mission, which is to go to the sit room and convince the White House Coronavirus Task Force, Nason at the time, to support the ban on travel from China. This would turn out to be one of the most prescient and courageous decisions of the president, would save millions of lives. But at that point, he had a lot of opposition. So he sends me, I'm the tip of the spear, I'm his tough guy. I go in, the staff's down at the end of the table, he's chairing the meeting. I got one of, I I love Mike Pompeo, but 
the people who worked for him were, were just a lot of hacks. And I had one of his hacks by my left shoulder. Crossed away the uh, the Orville Redenbacher doppelganger in Robert Redfield, the CDC head. Um, just one of the most bumbling bureaucrats I've ever met. And you had Azar there, right? So I knew I was going to have problems with the four of these guys. But across from me, there's this little guy little round glasses, didn't know he walked on water, didn't know he was a saint. He was just a guy, right? And two minutes in, I'm in a violent argument with him. And he keeps insisting that, <laughs> he keeps insisting that travel bans don't work. He's like a parent. Like, I'm, I'm going, dude. And I actually said to him, dude, it's like, uh, dude, it's like, you mean to tell me that if you got 20,000 Chinese nationals coming in a day, uh, many from Wuhan, many of them lit up like a Christmas tree with virus. That it, it's like, come on down, like let them in, right? No, 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 no. We're not doing that. <laughs> so the, you know, the meeting erupted, it ended like in total chaos um, with me fighting him and Mulvaney and everybody else. But but at the, at the end of the day, I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking he thinks he's smarter than he is, which is dangerous. But but I knew right then. I knew right then he was going to hurt both the nation and the president. But here's the interesting thing about that story uh, in the In Trump Time book. It's the lie, not the Congress, which which Fauci did, but was the lie of omission. Let me let me explain something that, that people need to understand in this country very clearly. At the at, by that point, early in the pandemic, Fauci already knew that he was culpable in the pandemic. What did we know right then? We knew that the the virus came from Wuhan. We knew that the virus popped up within yards of a Wuhan bioweapons lab. We knew that Fauci funded that lab through grants. We knew that he authorized gain-of-function experiments at that lab, which, which were capable of turning harmless bat viruses into human killers. And here's the here's the kicker. He received an email from a top scientist that very month that told him flat out this thing was genetically engineered. The lie of omission, the big lie of omission of Tony Fauci was not to tell me, the president, and the task force that that thing likely came from the lab. He never raised that issue. It cost millions of lives worldwide, hundreds of thousands of American lives. That man belongs in an orange jumpsuit not as the highest-paid bureaucrat and plaque of the Biden administration. Folks, we're speaking with Peter Navarro, his book, In Trump Time, A Journal of America's Plague Year. Peter, I want to tell you, I read a lot of books. I don't know if you realize how funny you are. I was literally laughing out loud <laughs> reading this book, and it sounds, you know, as I'm here now talking to you, I can now, I can picture your voice as I was reading it. I mean, folks, it is such like a straight-from-the-hip, no BS um, Peter, I, I have to ask you, I mean, aren't you, are you surprised that nine months in the Biden administration is already, you know, completely, uh, the Titanic 71% feelings on the wrong path. I mean, they've already lost their way. Not surprised at all. I, I predicted, uh, right after, uh, the, the transition of power, I guess you'd call it that Biden would be gone uh, within a year or a year and a half. Uh, simply because it's it was obvious to everybody who wanted to look that this man had diminished mental capacity and that he invariably made bad decisions. I mean, that he was known for that in like within the Obama White House, and he surrounds himself with people who have no understanding 
whatsoever of how economies work. I mean, look, in, in Obama-Biden was eight years of, of massive federal debt, sta- economic stagnation, and flat wages, right? They, 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 so we come along, you know, I'm, I'm out with the, with the boss. We're campaigning on structural change in the economy, tax cuts, deregulation, strategic energy dominance, and fair trade. That was our mantra. We, we put that in, and we grow above the forecasts, and real wages rise, particularly for black and brown Americans and blue-collar workers. I mean, and so Biden, Biden comes in and then goes, you know, reverts to the Biden incompetence mean. Doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. And, and, and by the way, when I'm, 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 I'm so honored by what you say about when you read the book. Um, w- when I wrote the book, I actually dictate, I use voice dictation yeah. software, and I try to write for the ear rather than the eye. It works. So, it works. And, and if you listen to the book, what's fun about the audio book, I, I did the narration myself, as you, as you might expect. I always like the author to do the narration. But I also have some guest voices in there. Uh, as part of it, so it's more like a dramatic production. Oh so wow! Steve, Ban- Steve Bannon's in it. Oh boy! Richard Davis Hanson, uh, the boss has a little cameo. <laughs> Corey Lewandowski absolutely steals the show. Wow! Uh, when he relates the story, I don't know if you remember the book, the story about him being on Air Force One with Dave Bossie. Yes. And how they're reading the Riot Act to Jared Kushner and, and campaign about not being ready for uh, for the steal that's about to come. Uh, so he narrates that whole thing. So it's 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 kind of a for folks who prefer like the audio books, uh, this one I think you'll find to be a, a little bit of cut above most of what uh, what you're going to get. But I the, for me the book submission. I mean my mission is to take Fauci down. This is the Fauci fire. <laughs> that guy's got to go. I'm sorry. He is he is a murderer. I make the case. Uh, you don't believe me. By the time you get to the end of it, I'll give you double your money back. Uh, we got to hold China accountable, and, and we really do get, have to get to the bottom of what happened on November 3rd and January 6th. This is going to be the first audio book that I'm going to buy, and I hope my family's not listening because you're all getting copies of the book. Folks, it is in yeah. Trump time, Journal of America's Plague of Peter Navarro. Peter, I mean, I'm going to have you back. A pleasure to talk to you. Congratulations. I, this is the best book of 2021. Hilarious. Oh, I'm so flattered so, by that. All right, Thank Peter. You, sir. Congratulations. Bye-bye. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. <clears throat> we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, Petro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor for AnchorRising.com. It's our friend Justin Katz. And Justin, uh, I, I think there's, you know the, the stories and what we're seeing on the front page of the New York Times, uh, to me, that really tells the story as far as as much as, uh, you know, Governor McKee and they try this spin for whatever reason, Rhode Island's number one in the country and testing and all this other stuff. There it is, Justin Katz, front page of the New York Times. Rhode Island is actually the opposite of that. We're actually the worst with the COVID spread, uh, highest infection rate in the entire country. And I, I, I recognize and we'll, we'll talk about some of the people that are not taking uh, shots or calling uh, Governor McKee to task or taking him to task, I should say. But I, I want to just start off by just hearing your thoughts on the fact that where the state is right now. And um, I, I would just say, I think Governor McKee is re- reactionary is, is an understatement. 
<laughs> well, yeah, reactionary implies a, a reaction, right? Um, yeah, the, the the strange thing about it in Rhode Island is, it, it's you the, the way the headlines are, the, the way people are talking. You, you would think there were people dying in the streets, um, but it, it feels like the biggest problem is people not being able to be tested. So many people trying to be tested. It almost feels like, I mean, if we're, if we, if we're doing terribly compared to other states, maybe some of it is the fact that we're forcing so many people to be tested. Yeah. Uh, and we've managed to, to bungle the, the testing re- regime. So I, I think that probably drives up the, the numbers. I mean, so many people tr- lining up around blocks to, to get the official, uh, up the nose test when you know in other places uh, either you don't have to get tested or an at-home test is adequate and in that case you don't get the big numbers reported and there's not quite the panic so i think it's it's that's a big part of it i think and i think uh, the poor management of that only makes it feel like even more of a crisis on top of you know the healthcare shortage healthcare worker shortage which we are going to touch on. Um, now, there were some interesting developments, though, just to guess. One is the Boston Globe, give them credit. They got their hands <clears throat> on a confidential document. I, I'm going to say that the people at the Department of Health, somebody there, got tired of Governor McKee basically saying, oh, well, you know, we were ramping down at Thanksgiving. and This just stuck up on us, ramping down. What does it say to you that that's actually not what was happening? Before he left, he was away for up to almost two weeks. Uh, right around Thanksgiving, it was the, um, the you know, the, the short element. Uh, it, it was the week leading in and then the, the week of Thanksgiving that that he was gone. I think he had a briefing on a Tuesday, the week before Thanksgiving. I went to that and then he was gone for the rest of that week. And then he was gone all of Thanksgiving week. Well, what about the Globe uh, getting a document that actually says he was warned that numbers were starting to go in the wrong direction? Well, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the bottom line is, and you, you can see this as you compare, say, governors across and the reception and their, their reactions across states and in Florida, for example, with DeSantis, it's got to be a coherent story, right? So, yeah. I, you know, frankly, ramping down in, in November was was reasonable, in my view, but you have to be strong in that argument and make the case like a DeSantis does. On the other hand, if, if you're going along with the panic of the public and, and you're, you're not pushing back in a strong way, uh, you have to be engaged. You can't be disappearing uh, and, and just acting like it's, it's, it's no big deal and it's taking care of itself because that doesn't really go along with it. And so this goes back to what we've been discussing for weeks, that maybe long months with, with McKee is just this idea, this sense that he just isn't reactionary as you said he is reactionary he doesn't seem to have a plan and he's just kind of going with the wind because he doesn't he doesn't have his own narrative and he's too panicked about having to please everybody to make it through a primary i think that's a lot of what we're seeing with that folks again our segment is politics this week with me is justin katz managing editor at anchorising.com justin you and i talked during the course of the pandemic and one of the things that happened was in the spring of 2020 um, into the spring and almost the summer. It was, um, it was pretty remarkable that at one point, Central Falls was actually considered one of the hottest hotspots actually in the entire world, let alone the country. And, you know, it's very dense. You have, it's only one square mile, but you have a lot of people with many different people. You know, they could have as many as 10 people or 12 living on the first floor, 
might be 10, 12 people on the second floor, maybe right around there a half on the third floor. So number one, you have a, a you know large, dense population. Number two, you also have, it, it's a large non-English speaking population. So a problem that I have, I believe, my opinion now, that the Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott strategy of equity, which is every community is treated the same. I, I believe that, that that is the failing strategy because back we saw what happened in the late spring into the early summer of 2020 that Central Falls was an outlier. And the spread was far worse than it was in places like Burrable or as I always like to say, Jamestown or places like that. Well, see to me, Right around Thanksgiving, when I, I believe it was November 16th, when Governor McKee saw that the numbers were starting to go up, I believe immediately should have started to treat Central Falls differently than other communities because of the possibility for the, you know, it, it gets, as they call it, red hot in, in the spread. So I believe that this whole, to me, it would be like if you treat, you're policing. And you treat all areas exactly the same, even though you know there are certain areas that are more high crime. So you would put more police into the areas where there's high crime as opposed to try to treat everyone differently. So what I'm saying is I believe the whole strategy of the Department of Health, of which he must have signed off on, of equity and everyone's treated the same. I think once again, we have seen that that has failed. I think so. And I think it's, it's actually arguably worse than that because it's it's not even you know treat everybody the same it's it's you give special special dispensations to yes. disadvantaged communities uh when when you can give them an advantage it's what you can't do is treat everybody the same in a way that that inconveniences them um and i think that's a big part of the problem is you, you get into this this kind of racial identity politics garbage and suddenly you can't make good decisions. You're prevented from making good decisions. You can't say, here's what we'll do. Every community is different. We're going to, we're going to have a, we're going to change our response depending on the community. And in a densely populated place, we're going to have to do this differently. And in other places we can do that differently because what you end up getting is say the suburbs or more rural areas don't have to cancel school, for example. That's right. Uh, and then it's, oh, well, that's not equity. Well, no, it, it is. It's just those folks are in, in an urban setting, so it's more dangerous for them, and you've got to account for that. If you were, but if you had that kind of attitude where, where everybody was treated equally in the sense that you addressed the circumstances they were actually facing, regardless of their skin color, right. then it would be a lot more justified to, to say, put more testing or spend more resources on the urban areas. It's when you're making everybody suffer for the sake of where places that are, that are more risky. And then you, you, you don't give, you still give them all of the, the attention on the, on the plus side. And I think that's what the, the whole equity argument does. And it just creates this, the system of, of inequity where we can't even discuss problems rationally because it's, it's all filtered through this racial, racial lens. What do you, uh, what's your reaction before we take a break of, it actually became a national story, but Ellen Slater and I, I think another hospital, but anyhow, uh, the Department of Health and Governor McKee, they started sending non-vaccinated but seemingly asymptomatic or maybe it was it was excuse me it was uh covid workers you you have covid but you're asymptomatic but you you definitely tested positive 
but sending them to work in in the hospitals, which Justin, I'm going to come back to and say, I just think they mishandled this business with the frontline workers back in September. They set the deadline of October 1st. To me, they never really sat down, tried to work with them, tried to look that, you know, maybe we shouldn't lose 1,300 people. I, I think that was a huge misstep. And to me, they've been chasing the tail ever since. They have. And I mean, the the idea that letting vaccinated but COVID positive workers work uh, in certain situations could make sense. But it's when you, when you were so desperate to kick yep. out the unvaccinated workers, you can't then turn around and go, oh, but it's an emergency. We've got to put the sick people back in, the sick workers back in, or the ones who are testing positive. It's, it, goes, it goes back to the same kind of theme where there's no coherence here. They, they, I, you get the feeling they thought they could take a hard line because they thought it was over and they were just clean mopping up and this was them showing how seriously they were taking everything. But then when things turn worse, I mean, I know a lot of us were saying back when they were imposing the mandate, are you nuts? We're in, we're in a healthcare worker crisis right and you're you're letting them go it just made no sense whatsoever without and remember without any allowance at all for them to be able to prove that they had had it that they had antibodies that they they were recovered immune from natural acquired means uh, that was that was all off the table wasn't even discussed there's almost like a a, a, hu- a hubris or a, a, an arrogance to the whole it thing was. that makes it it all, all feel so so political and and not at all like some like people actually trying to manage a crisis. Yeah. And before the break, you know, they really kind of set the tone when they took away the license of that Dr. Scully, you know, who, who had COVID, he felt he had natural immunity. He was telling his patients exactly what the situation was, but they had no interest in listening. They had no interest in exploring that. And instead the reaction was, okay, that's it. We're going to make an example out of you and pull your license. Yeah, exactly. It's just, and and he he does a lot of, uh, from what I understand, a lot of volunteer work for the state. And Monique yeah. um, Chartier has been looking into that for Anchor Rising. And there, there's, as far as we can tell, they're still looking for somebody else to take care of that that issue uh, mm. for at Eleanor Slater and other other state facilities. So I, the, but it, there it was that entire lack of argument. Just no, there was no discussion, no debate. It was just this is the decision we made, and that's it. You cannot see patients. It's just, it's mind-boggling. Folks, quick break, a lot more. Politics This Week with Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show.